I'm going to try to keep my tongue out of my own cheek in this sermon. In reality, this sermon is more for me as a leader of the church than it is for you. It is a subtle reminder that as a leader, we need to be careful not to get it twisted and forget what God said through Christ. That is not about what you say as a leader, but rather how you lead. Also, this is a sermon for those who have felt like the church was full of hypocrites, for those who have felt like the church had nothing good to say to them, for those who felt like it was more of a burden than a blessing, for those who felt like they did not belong. This, this is a sermon also for you. In order to start into this sermon, we need to start with a bit of history. I had to mention this before in a previous sermon, but it's worth revisiting. When God called Israel out of Egypt and gave them the Ten Commandments, God was establishing the base rules for a new society. God was trying to set up a system, an intention, that would serve as a basis for how people would live their lives both individually and corporately. But as Israel often did, and as we still do often today, we forget about God's intention and we substitute our own in. We take control away from God, or the control rather that God has given to us, and believe that it's our control. We make, thing, we make God in our image, instead of remembering that we are made in God's image. We take God's power and pretend that it's our own. And so God sent the prophets to remind us. He sent his son to show us, and now he sends the Holy Spirit to be with us. As God said through our Old Testament scripture, the prophet Micah, Micah 3, 5, 1 through 12, Thus says the Lord concerning the prophets who lead my people astray, who cry peace when they have something to eat, but declare war against those who put nothing into their mouths. Therefore it shall be night to you, without vision and darkness to you, without revelation. The sun shall go down upon the prophets, and the day shall be black over them. The seers shall be disgraced, and the diviners put to shame. They shall all cover their lips, for there is no answer from God. But as for me, I am filled with power, with the Spirit of the Lord, and with justice and might to declare to Jacob his transgressions and to Israel his sin. Hear this, you rulers of the house of Jacob and chiefs of the house of Israel, who abhor justice and pervert all equity, who build Zion with blood and Jerusalem with wrong. Its rulers give judgment for a bribe. Its priests teach for a price. Its prophets give oracles for money. Yet they lean upon the Lord and say, surely the Lord is with us, nor harm shall come upon us. Therefore, because of you, Zion shall be plowed as a field. Jerusalem shall become a heap of ruins in the mountain of the house of wooded height. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. How many times have we seen this in our church? How many times do we cry peace when it's easy for us? When people do what we ask for them? How many times do we cry peace when we are the ones in the place of power, but as soon as someone goes against our agenda, as soon as someone doesn't do what we want, we declare war against them? How often do we embrace violent people because they will champion one of our causes? 
And God, through the prophet Micah, does not mince words. He tells them that those who use, who use the church this way, they will become visionless. They will not be able to see God anymore. And frankly, sometimes I feel like I run into these people who claim Christ, who I do believe are living visionless, missing out on who Christ really is. And Micah warns Israel to not become visionless, to not abhor justice and pervert all equity, to not give judgments for a bribe or teach for a price, to have their prophets give money to oracles. Do not do these things. And then try to claim safety of the Lord. For if you do, Zion will become a field and Jerusalem a heap of ruins. I have not hidden who I am in my own critique of American evangelical church. When I read the words of Micah, it pangs me to see how I can point to contemporary examples of how the American evangelical church has abhorred justice, how it has perverted all equity. I can point to how they have given out judgments based on a tithe given, whether it be money or power. And I ask of us all to repent. Because I know I have participated in this too, either by silence or compliance, I have participated in this too. It's easy to critique something without admitting your own sins, and I will not take the easy way out. In those 40 pieces of silver that has sold out Christ, a couple of them are mine too. Because like I said, this sermon is for me as a leader of the church. Because part of any problem is admitting that there is a problem, right? Hi, my name is Jerry, and I'm a pastor in an American church. Now, moving into our gospel lessons shows us to not uh, that this is not just an issue for Israel, but it's also an issue that Jesus spoke to as well. We have our gospel lesson from Matthew 23, 1 through 12. Then Jesus said to the crowds and his disciples, The scribes and the Pharisees sit on Moses' seat. Therefore, do whatever they teach you and follow it, but do not do as they do, for they do not practice what they teach. They tie up heavy burdens, hard to bear, and lay them on the shoulders of others, but they themselves are unwilling to lift a finger to move them. They do all of their deeds to be seen by others. For they make their filiacritries broad and their fringes long. They have loved to have the place of honor at the banquets and the best seats in the synagogues and to be greeted with respect in the marketplaces and to have people call them rabbi. But you are not to be called rabbi, for you have one teacher and you are all students. And you call no one your father on earth, for you have one father in heaven. Nor are you to be called instructors, for you have one instructor, the Messiah. The greatest among you will be your servant. And all who exalt themselves will be humbled. And all who humble themselves will be exalted. Once again, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. One of the things that have always resonated with me is verse 4. They tie up heavy burdens, hard to bear, and they lay them on the shoulders of others. But they themselves are unwilling to lift a finger to move them. I have chatted with so many folks who have expressed this to me one way or the other. 
Did they talk about burdens? The rules that they felt like they had to follow and how they felt like the leadership of the church followed none. How they were told to give while their leaders were living lavishly, being told to live poorly while they saw their leaders living richly. How many burdens have we laid upon each other but not willing to help each other carry the load? How many times have we left the yoke of the other so that they could alone carry a load. And that's what the Pharisees were doing. They, what they, they did is they created making being a leader of the synagogue into a glamorous lifestyle. They were like the legit first century preachers and sneakers of Instagram fame. They were creating systems that would give burden to the people to give, saying that the law was too complex and only they could interpret it. And they would. And then they would reserve themselves the highest blessings for those who let them be and sit at the best tables. They used their positions to gain more authority and power. They stood on the shoulders of those around them, telling them that they were the highest authority and should be kept in the highest place. And once again, I find that the American Evangelical Church can fall into the worship of a pastor or an individual. Where the last half of what Jesus is saying in Matthew gets lost. Where Jesus is telling you all who listen, you call them rabbi, you call them teacher, you call them pastor. When you only have God as your rabbi. You call your earthly father, father, yet you have a heavenly father. You call them instructor when you have already an instructor in the Messiah. All of this is to say when we treat people of this world, regardless of their relationship with God, economic wealth or education or social position, as the highest position and authority, we have forgotten that God is higher than all of them. When we put our trust in earthly people, we will be disappointed. It isn't against anyone in specific because we all fall short the glory of God. We always need to we need to always weigh that against the people we look up to. We need to remember that we are all human, and as the Lord of the Ring has taught us, that even the most pure of hearts, like the Hobbit Frodo, power can still tempt us. To think that we or our leaders are more powerful than we are. To think that we or our leaders are immune to failure. To think that we or our leaders are always right. We need to ground ourselves in the reality that there is one Christ, one God, and one Holy Spirit. And stay rooted in that. And plus, this is an easy way to tell you that I will at some point in my ministry or our relationship probably disappoint you. It's the reality. I can often be very disappointing. Just ask my wife. But I also wanted to quickly uh, talk of burdens. We often think of burdens as these abstract problems, but in reality, the best way to think of burdens is actually packages. Like putting too many packages on your back. Then you would be overburdened. And if you're playing most RPGs, that means you can't move because you have too much weight. But when Jesus is talking about these burdens, he actually really wants you to imagine the rules as packages being placed upon your back so much that it's difficult for you to move. And he saw these Pharisees as burdening and burdening the people. 
so much that they could not move. And this might be a, a deep pull for some of you. But I always picture Jennifer Conley's character in The Labyrinth when she meets the illustrious junk lady. See, in the story so far, Conley's character is trying to save her brother who she has given to the Goblin King. And she's lost in a daze in the labyrinth amidst these heaps of junk. That's where she bumps into this junk lady. And after a bit of dialogue, the junk lady opens this mysterious door in the jump area, the, the junk, uh, the junkyard, and takes Conley into a replica of her room, and she starts giving her these things to hold on to. And eventually, Conley's arms begin to get full, but they, because this is a fantasy, they start to stick to her. And there's a bunch of things now being stacked onto her, much like this junk lady who, when we meet her, has things stacked all the way up on her back. And what the idea of the writer and the director are trying to give aid to us is how when we hold on to things, they begin to weigh us down. When we hold on to things, they begin to distract us from what we are doing. And I think that this is true. If we want to interpret the law given to us, we can interpret it in such a way that it's, meant, it's something that weighs us down, makes us unable to move. And this is not what law was intended for. Because in comparison, Christ, who says, I did not come here to abolish the law, but rather reinterpret the law, famously said, come to me. All of you who are heavy laden, or in some translations, all of you who are heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. Christ came to free us from a concept of law that was burdening us. And give us a concept of law that was freeing us. And our brother Paul, our apostle Paul, reminds of this constantly throughout his letters. And yet, why do we have so many people walking away from the church saying, there is too much law to follow, it is too much of a burden placed upon us, that Christianity has so many rules, and people who are unequally, who are unwilling to unequally enforce them, to perverse equity, to abhor justice, burden, 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 like shackles and weights placed upon us. And yet Christ came to set us free. And I know that feeling of freedom. But sometimes I forget that. Sometimes I lose that feeling. And that's part of it, isn't it? That the freedom that Christ gives us does not actually go away. Regardless if we feel it or not. Because we don't always feel it. We Sometimes, especially when we, uh, when sometimes especially we look to others to give us that freedom. When we feel like it's being taken away from us, even though the freedom is always there, the burden has been lifted. We often forget that it is there, and we look to somebody else to say that we are free. They put burdens upon us. Because we are unwilling to recognize the freedom that we have already been given. 
that we are not free because someone tells us that we are free. We are free because of what Christ has done to us. We are not dependent upon a priest or a pastor telling us that we're free because as Jesus told, we have one God, one Father, one instructor, and he has given us a freedom. Because, going back to my deep poll, just as Jennifer Conley's character at the end of the film looks into the very beautiful and starry eyes of David Bowie, who is portrayed as the Goblin King, at the end of the movie The Labyrinth, and whispers, you have no power over me. People cannot revoke the freedom of Christ. Let me say that again for the people in the back. People cannot revoke the freedom of Christ. That is Christ alone to give. Christ alone is our judge. We have the leaders of the church, myself included, have been guilty throughout time, confusing a gift offered to us as a gift that we can take away. And that is not true. We are not called to limit grace, but rather to give this grace freely. And yet it seems that some of us as leaders have gotten it twisted and decided that grace was for us to hold on to and dole out as we seem fit. When you have done enough, when you have given enough to make choices on who gets to receive grace, because they support this politician or the other. They support this law or the other. We make our own laws and burdens to place upon one another. To think that laws do not apply to us. And yet, we have seen now through movements like the Church 2 movement. We see now in the news of another yet evangelical leader having a moral failure. We see that church leadership has failed us. And you know what? At the end of the day, it is a good thing that our faith isn't dependent upon them. It's a good thing that Christ is the one that we are dependent upon. As much as leaders try to convince us that it is that we are dependent upon them, it is a good thing that it is Christ who we are actually dependent upon. Once again, I said at the beginning, the sermon is partly for me because there is a great temptation that we all face. Ever since that ring of power was forged in the darkness and Isidore refused it to drop the ring into Mount Doom, we have been plagued to think that power is ours to control. That power is given, that power given to us is our power. That power given to us is our power. That power given to us is our power, but that is simply not true. Christ's power has been given to all. The curtain has been torn. It is with all and for all. There will, people, there will be people who will seek to use that power to control you and to control us, to use the name of God, the name of Christ, to manipulate you, to manipulate us, to say that they have the power to excise the law on us and to burden us. But you know what? Christ broke that. Christ, who had equality with God, lived with us, died, with, died for us, and ultimately resurrected for us to show us that Christ has the ultimate power over death itself, that Christ has removed the burden of death from our backs so that we we, so that we may truly live. He has freed us, and no one could take that away from us. No height, nor depth, 
no width, no length can separate us from the love of God. No human person can stand in the way because it's never there to determine who is God's. That is Christ alone. So, if someone tries to exercise power over you, look them firm in their eyes, drum up your best young Jennifer Conley impression and say to them, you have no power over me. I know it's been a long time since I preached a sermon, and the sermon was actually written right before the election. I just never recorded it. And it, it now seems so fitting in the position that we find our country in. And I just want to let you know that I'm praying for all of you who are listening, that you do realize that no matter what happens or whatever side you voted upon, that it, all of this actually doesn't matter in comparison to knowing our God and the power that Christ has and the mission that Christ has put before us to love one another, to love the Lord God with our heart, soul, and being, and to love our neighbor as ourselves. That, that is the law given to us, the burden placed upon us by Christ, a burden that is light. Be blessed this week, my friends, and please remember to wash your hands.